Hi, and welcome back to the Pathfinders podcast. We have a very different episode for you today. This isn't going to be like the previous episodes, as today we're celebrating the launch of our new print magazine, Volume 6 of 99% Lifestyle. 99% Lifestyle is a print magazine, weekly newsletter, and now a podcast. We keep print at the heart of everything that we do, and we aim to release a new magazine every 6 to 12 months. In Volume 6, we take a look at the environment, looking at sustainable supply chains in business and the revolutionary work of a marine scientist in Australia that has the potential to change the future of cattle farming. We also look at the video game industry to explore topics such as esports and the industry-changing phenomenon that is Battle Royales with PUBG's Brendan Green and Respawn's Chad Grenier. This latest magazine also features some insightful, thought-provoking and inspirational features about business, creativity, life and our environment by some of the world's leading creatives such as Chase Jarvis, Frankie Ratford, Chris Dew, Lee Timms, Gavin Strange, Mark Wyking, Martin Jensen and many more. I'm the editor of 99% Lifestyle, and today's episode isn't an interview, it's a conversation between myself and the art director of Volume 6, Emily Kaplan, where we discuss the process of making this magazine, more about the content, and the editorial design and our thoughts on the print industry as a whole. If you would like to know more about Volume 6 of our magazine, or would just simply like to look at some pictures of it in print, then there'll be a link in the description of this episode taking you to a landing page all about that issue. I hope you enjoy listening to this different format today, and we'll be back to the usual format for episode 7. Just to get things started, um, I suppose, would you like to give a little introduction to who you are and just a bit about yourself, I guess? Well, I'm Emily, and uh, I'm a junior designer currently at McCann, but I'm also, well, I've also been helping out at 99% for the past two volumes now which is a really, really great like side project for me, I guess. It's a nice way to work on something outside of work. Um, and I'm also co-founder of a platform called We Are Outspoken, which is just a support network really for graduates and those just in the first a couple of years of their careers. And then on the back of that as well, we've also just launched well, not just, but earlier this year, we launched a podcast series with Women Unlimited called Unfiltered. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a very big change in the magazine since I'd say Volume Four, because before that, it was very mu- it was very much just a case of me who's got no graphic design background, just journalism, just trying to plod through learning InDesign, which isn't an easy task, especially how <laughs> frequently it changes. Um, but it was definitely good um, to get more people involved with the magazine who have got a bit more of an eye for things which which I don't. I really think the magazine's been elevated every issue um, in my eyes. Um, and with the launch of Volume Six, I feel like again it's it's been elevated a little bit more from Volume Five um, in terms of the content and and the design. I think it's nice though because you can still, I think anyway, you can still see the initial essence of the original copies of 99% in what we're doing now with it. I do think it's it's just been like a an elevation of what you originally started out. Yeah, yeah. So I know in terms of um, when I've been going to events and things like that, that's really when I get to talk 
through people, I suppose, the story and more of the origins of how the magazine started. But I suppose a lot of people listen to the podcast and who pick up the magazine on the the shelves around the world or wherever they get it from probably don't really know the story of the fact that 99% Lifestyle um, is kind of above the Pathfinders podcast. His Pathfinders podcast is falls underneath um, 99% Lifestyle and it's a project I started just after university and for the first three issues it was just a case of uh, keeping the design I suppose very minimal, um, lots of clean space and mainly just focusing on the content and as it's gone on, I think it's it's still remained minimal, but I think you can tell that a, a graphic designer has, has, has really stuck their teeth into it. And a lot of things have changed in terms of the logo, the typography. And I suppose there's a lot of spreads which I always used to play safe on just because in terms of the design, I didn't really know how to be a bit more, I suppose, creative without it looking bad. <laughs> basically but um I, I think the magazine is is kind of it, it's more i suppose thinking outside the box of some of the spreads so in this issue it's we're not exactly keeping to the the rules as such there's some rules which are, i suppose have been broken so the first section of the magazine always tends to stick to the same template but we've done some very creative things like you've done a really cool spread with the design kids feature with uh, frankie ratford um which plays on a lot of her I suppose branding I guess um and also the fact with the cover as well where we're kind of exploring a bit of a different approach to the second cover version as well so I suppose yeah um what is your thought process like on I suppose working on the design of this because I suppose when you get the content from me you kind of just have a blank slate because I suppose I don't really give you too much, do I, with regards to, I suppose, how the, the spread should look other than, say, here's the images, here's the text. Um, and sometimes it could the text can come after you've designed it as well, doesn't it? I think, like we were saying earlier, like it's sticking to quite a minimal design, but then where we can, bringing in the creative flourishes or just how we finish off those pieces, like you were saying on the um the design kids piece just bringing in a bit of Frankie's style and like how else can we bring in elements of the people that are in the articles into the design of it but not so that it's really overpowering because really it's it's all about the writing and it's the stories that are in there that you want to showcase everything else is just there for it brings it to life a bit doesn't it so it's just figuring out the best way to do that. Mm. And in terms of the content for this issue, I think there's some really interesting pieces in this. There's, again, more of the long-form features, which um, could be an interview with Chase Jarvis, who's a photographer and entrepreneur. But there's also some people in there which I didn't know of before going into starting work on this issue, which is a very long time ago due to COVID, which I think began back in around August last year because volume five was a very, a very big rush if if you remember to get it out in time for the Birmingham Design Festival I think our publication was I think it I think it was four months wasn't it we managed to wrap that magazine up on oh, that feels like such a long time ago I know and this one has been 
well, now we've just finished August. It's been over a year since this issue's been out due to the, yeah delays and various setbacks in in terms of the the economy. But yeah, I think in terms of the content, there's some really interesting pieces inside, such as um, a, a piece on happiness research with um, Mike Wiking, and I found that really interesting. But another one of my favourite pieces in this is um, a short piece at the start, which looks at a very topical issue around the environment uh, with a with a marine scientist who's invented this well not invented discovered more of this really uh, groundbreaking um thing that if a certain strain of seaweed is incorporated into a, a cow's diet it eliminates 99 point i think 99.1 percent of the cow's methane production which could have like some huge benefits to the environment if they're able to figure out ways of mass producing that. Um, I know that you've probably had more of a look just on the design side of things, but I suppose you've had time to look through some of the topics that are discussed in the magazine as well. And what would you think is some of the some of the interesting features that's caught your eye in the magazine, more from the content perspective as you've been editing the layouts? Um, well, similarly to the environmental um, article that you talked about with the seaweed and the methane, I really liked the conversations that you had between um, Nice and Serious and Foil Co. I thought that was really interesting and quite relevant to, I guess, what I do design-wise because Nice and Serious are quite a very... Um, oh, what's the right word? They're quite an ethical agency. Yeah, that's the right phrasing. Um, and it's, I find especially interesting reading into their moral compass that they've set up within their agency and how they get everybody in the team to vote on briefs. And if the brief then doesn't get like 51% of the votes, then they won't work on it. And I thought that was such a lovely way to keep um, the agency's morals and beliefs in line with the work that they were doing. And I know that that might not be feasible for really like huge agencies, because I think they've only got the, well, they've got a team of 23 in their London office. So I guess if you're talking like an agency of hundreds, then I don't know, maybe going forward in the future, it could be something that agencies could consider. But I think it's doing little things that, like that will just help companies and brands be so more aware of what they're doing mm. and will help their employees be happier and comfortable with the projects that they're working on yeah and again like in the foil coast section of the article i thought it was really interesting that they're the first zero foil to landfill company so that they don't they ensure that none of their foil ends up in landfills and i think that's a really important point for well just design going forward because it means that we can still have beautifully beautiful pieces of printed work but we can also be sure that we're being environmentally friendly while we're doing that hmm. and yeah and um I, I did find that quite fascinating because the article does kind of split into two sections more looking from an agency and a, and a supplier's perspective and I'd, I'd be curious to know that if um if say you was to work in an agency yourself where you kind of had a say on the projects you was working on from an ethical standpoint, would you feel 
um, I suppose it would make you feel more um, aligned with with the company's own mission, I guess, as well, and feel like you really do have a say in in um, in what you do. Yeah, I think it's an important thing to think about going forward, um, and always make. I think it's. I do think it's hard when you're in the early stages of your career because they do say a lot that you can't you don't choose your clients and especially when you're in a junior position it's not really something that you have the luxury of doing um so I think it's something that as you grow forward in your career that you can be more aware of and then you can start questioning what you're working on and whether this fits with what you feel comfortable with um but again I think that's something that you start to learn as soon as you do start working it might not be something that you'd consider as graduate mm, yeah and in looking at the the larger aspects of the magazine again 99% lifestyle doesn't have a themed issue per se it's it's very much has a good balance of people from different backgrounds different countries and there's kind of a loosely themed section in the magazine which previously has been things like travel, creativity in film and TV, and there's a lot of video game type content in, in this issue. But again, if video games isn't really your thing and you're not really too interested in looking into the creativity behind that, there's still a lot more as some of the other topics we've talked upon, various pieces of content inside the magazine. Um, what I love about the magazine, though, is that like you have got the chunkier sections in there, like you've got the gaming as a focus within this but it's like everything in there everyone is so passionate about their own little niche so like even reading about like like going back to the methane and the seaweed like it's so interesting and you just think wow that there's so much more outside of what you might do every day and everyone else is just as passionate about their little world of work Mm -hmm. and quite interestingly that um, for the newsletter series I run, which is a weekly newsletter where people just um, recommend five different things each week. The one the one documentary series that always seems to get recommended is Chef's Table. And I've had the explanation quite a few times is, is that even people who aren't interested in cooking, they love that show because they really see someone who is... Um, really passionate about what they do and they find that very inspiring themselves and I suppose that can kind of translate over to a lot of the content as well where you can see how these people work and in volume um, six there's an interview with designer Chris Du um, and I really found that interview very very uh, fascinating where he talks about a lot of the business side of being a designer because I can draw a lot out of that myself and there's some stuff that he talked about in how he teaches people and things like that and I feel like you don't necessarily need to be a designer to get something out of an interview with a designer or you don't need to be a photographer to read the interview and be able to take something from the Chase Jarvis feature who is on the cover of the next issue Um, and I really wanted to kind of talk about aside from volume six more of the broader look on print um for more of the rest of rest of the interview because i I suppose just to get things started the question i probably get asked the most since starting this magazine is 
why did you start a, ma a print magazine why why print print is dead print is dying you know the various sayings you've probably heard as well because um you work a lot in print as well um but i i think personally this this magazine was born in print for a few different reasons because i personally find it very difficult to consume more longer form content online i don't really know the science of of this whether it's to do with various different aspects but but i i feel like it's down to more of the distractions online i feel like it's so easy to click away from something or to hide a tab and a long form read whereas a print magazine actually exists physically in in in, in your space i guess and it and it will always be there by your bedside table or on your bookshelf and you might just be able to get out of bed or walk into a room and you see and it can instantly remind you of it and um back in volume one i remember talking to a guy who worked at um human after all i, I think I, oh, yeah. I think it was rob i spoke to and i remember something that he said where you can't foil or add finishes to an ipad screen or a laptop you really get this tactile thing with print which you can't get anywhere else so i suppose what's your thoughts on print and why do you love print so much i think there's just something so special about print and you're never going to be able to recreate that through an ipad or on a computer and i i think there's there's always something therapeutic if that's the right word about looking through a magazine and I think it gives you a reason to step away from the digital world and just take a moment to actually hold something and turn a page and just be involved with the publication um but I do I think there's there's probably questions around like sustainability and the environmental impacts of print which I guess are a concern but then going back to the the foil co um article that you've got in here at the minute and about how their pledges to never have their foil in landfill then it just shows that companies are making the steps to make print environmentally friendly and i think it's just something you, you're never going to be able to replace or be able to recreate so while i think that digital might not take over but it's gonna um I don't know what the right word is again. It will always have its 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 own place, I guess. It will always sort of exist in some yeah. some capacity. Yeah, and I think designers, especially, I think there's something really special about print and designing for print. I just I think it's I just really like it. It's just what I love doing. Mm. I think when I discovered independent magazines, um, I was I was in university because. A lot of my group of friends all did design-based courses and they was kind of the people that introduced me to um, to more of the designy type um, <clears throat> print magazines. I remembered the, the Great Discontent was just doing their Kickstarter and um, I, was, I was kind of finding out about print at the same time that Kickstarter was going. <clears throat> and I remember, that I think the first magazine I bought was Serial Magazine, which is a travel magazine, but it's very very minimalist very elegantly designed and i kind of realized that these independent magazines are more of like an ornament that you buy because there's so much attention that goes into the actual design of the paper the cover 
And Mm -hmm. that's not just talking about the editorial design where someone's actually designed the pages on a computer screen, but it's kind of just more than your typical glossy Mac that you would find at your hairdressers and, you know, that is full of ads and and it tends to be just discarded after it's flicked through a few times. Um, This sector seems to be, well, before COVID, it seemed to be kind of grown and grown and grown. I know, obviously, every sector seems to have taken a hit near enough due to COVID, but print, print's been hit quite hard by it. Um, but I think also starting print, I know a lot of people have asked me if it does make it easier getting interviews with people. And I do think that it wasn't something I set out to start to begin with. I didn't think I'd have wanted to interview people. Starting a magazine would be a good way of doing so. But I do think as it's gone on reflecting back, I do feel like being able to reach out to these people who maybe get in emails every week asking f- to interview them for the for the blog for a podcast i do think that having an interview request for a print magazine does probably stand out from the crowd and i suppose may have differentiated my request from other people so it looking back it probably did make it a bit easier but again it's 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 not something which is cheap to do either because mm-hmm. at the minute 99 percent lifestyle doesn't make any money every every penny is reinvested back in i've not never taken a salary from this um and it's a case of starting small with a passion project and then it's more of a case of trying to find a way to make itself sustainable um because as a business print is very difficult to make money as as a whole and i i know this is something you've probably looked into as well because we both did attend a magazine conference, was it two years ago now? I think it was 2018, so yeah. Yeah, and they did talk a lot of topics and you got to hear some of the stories of these publications who have diversified their kind of print magazine, keeping it at the core of what they do, but they do other aspects to the business to drive revenue in, such as events, uh, various other products, and creative ways I suppose of getting advertisers in as well what do you admire with uh with with print magazines and how they I suppose diversify themselves more than just being in print so various other things they do whether that being digital like repasto to design studio like just what what's your thoughts on print brands diversifying I guess I think it's well I guess it's quite a common thing for them to do because like you say print is expensive and I think they said when we were at that conference it could take like five plus years for the magazine to even start making some money back so it is a it is a real passion project and something that you have to be really invested in to make it worthwhile um but I think that's what makes it even more special and it's what makes people even more passionate about it because not to um insult it but like anyone can make a website and you can start that up no problem and you can do blog posts and whatever but I think putting it all into a magazine takes so much more time and thought I guess and there's a lot of planning that has to go into it and um consideration so I think it's just a really admirable thing to do and I think having like a digital platform alongside that really just then supports the magazine because 
it gives you then something to go and refer to and add extra information to um but but people like magazines that put on events and stuff I find that really interesting because it's just a way to bring it's a way to like bring the community together I guess like it brings the readers all together and everyone's already got that shared interest because they're all reading the magazine so I think that's that's something I really love about the well not just magazines but the design community in general is that the community that it all builds. I do think the design community and the print magazine community is very closely linked to one another as well, I found. Yeah. Is that a lot of people that are graphic designers, even though they weren't necessarily the audience I was going out for, I do think that they people have an appreciation for design who who do tend to like indie magazines. Which yeah. is, is, is quite fascinating and I think it's something which I've I've gotten more involved with where I think some of the my favourite indie magazines such as like Anxi aren't necessarily magazines which the subject matter of, of the magazines is something that aligns with my interest quite well but it's something which because I've enjoyed the design of it so much I've found myself buying every issue of so far. Yeah, um, I think that's, again, that's such a lovely side of, magazines and like you were saying earlier they're the kind of things that you'd keep and they become like artifacts if you like like I've got so many magazines upstairs that I just have on display because I just love having them there um and they're like their own little worlds like every indie mag has got such a different theme or such a different focus I just it's just so interesting to see how much is actually out there and that's something I find really interesting with stack actually the magazine subscription that every month you just get something completely different through that every time just blows your mind because you think oh my god I can't believe that there's a magazine about this. Starting a magazine is very difficult I do think that it's very difficult to make a transition from a passion project into a business so if there are people listening to this that are interested in starting a print magazine I think having it having that mindset of knowing that there will be business elements involved in it in order to make it sustainable beyond the first issue is something that a lot of people do talk about. It's something which Fernando um, Augusto Pacheco spoke about. Again, another interview I conducted before before this podcast started that again is a bit outdated, but he talked about a common mistake that people make is they put all their attention and focus into putting that first issue out and they don't really have a plan beyond that point for issue two and three because... I know that you've worked very closely now with me for the last two issues, but I, there's a lot more work that goes into a print magazine, I suppose, than you perhaps consider just when you walk into a shop and pick it off the shelves, don't you? And all the things that can go wrong as well, like all the the mm. stuff we had go wrong with Volume 5 that no one would know just going into a shop or ordering it online. Like You wouldn't have a clue, but... It's very stressful. Like I was stressed, and it was you dealing with it. But mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things, isn't it? That you have to kind of think of right, what could go wrong, every possible thing that could happen, and you have to just be prepared for that, really, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing seems to ever go smoothly in print. There's always something <laughs> to to go wrong, <laughs> and it 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 just happened that it went wrong on on the issue which had the tightest deadline where. <laughs> it was just yeah it was mad um where there was issues with just 
again, I don't think we still ever found out what was causing the issue because we used there was was an issue regarding how the the paper turned out when it printed, but we used the exact same paper and the exact same printers as volume four, which was ran very smoothly. Um, it was very strange indeed but I think that's as well why starting a magazine it really does have to be a passion project because when stuff does go wrong you have to be able to stick by it don't you and not just throw in the towel and think you know what this isn't worth it you have to really just push through it because afterwards it was kind of like oh look look at what we've done like even though we had all of these problems like we made the deadline we got it out there and it was great and like handing it out at pdf and everyone was walking into veronica's talk that was amazing and you just think oh it is all it is worth it isn't it and i suppose just to wrap things up what would you say how, how do you think about the future of print with how this year has gone so far i know it's been very doom and gloom but do you feel quite positive that print will bounce back from from all this I feel pretty positive about it. Maybe that's just me, but um, I know it probably classes a glossy and mag, but I have a Vogue, a Vogue subscription and um, my stack, stack subscription. God, I can't speak. But they, like, through COVID and being stuck inside, they the d- monthly deliveries have really kept me going, I guess, and given me something to look forward to each month. So being able to actually go out again and go to a magazine shop and to be able to flip through them all again I think is really exciting and maybe other designers and other people feel like that as well so I do hope that it all picks back up again and it doesn't have too much of an impact on it because I think it would be such a shame. For a very long period this year there wasn't really anything in the news other than things around Covid and I think it is nice that some magazines have been continuing to print throughout this and now a lot more are are getting on with their print circulations to give people this escapism and share stories outside of what they're used to seeing and being bothered with every day. Um, yeah. So I'm very glad that we can get volume six out and share share a lot of these stories because the, it, COVID isn't really touched upon other than, say, just looking at the epilogue and the editor's letter. There's only really one article in there which touches upon more about how a clothing company has dealt with um, surviving during COVID. A lot of the other features are very still relevant to, to what we live in now, but they do give you this sense of escapism to these other worlds, whether you're learning about happiness research in Denmark or learning about how Frankie like travelled Australia, being technically homeless to start the design kids. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I do really feel positive that there is a need for this this print indie print sector and mm-hmm. I, I again i feel like i might be biased saying this because obviously i run a print magazine but i do think print will always always still be here despite um despite what's going on because i do think there's always a need for it yeah i completely agree i do think there'll there'll always be a space for it and it's something that you can't you can't replace it mm, yeah and, and going forwards, just to wrap up this interview, I just wanted to say that, um, so the magazine will always stay at the heart of what 99% Lifestyle is, but exploring other ways in digital, such as podcasting, has been a very 
a very fun experiment over over lockdown it's something i'm looking forward to doing and it's something which you've also um started was it just before lockdown you started your podcast yeah i think we released the first one in march i think i could be wrong but it feels like a lifetime ago but it was only a couple of months ago to be honest Mm -hmm. and again i suppose it's taken that again conversation out of print into a different medium so the podcast interviews that you'll hear from the Pathfinders podcast aren't necessarily the same interviews you'll hear in print. They are um, in print and things are edited, things are changed. There's external pieces of research that go into that. Um, but why is it that you like the podcast you started? How, what made you want to get into into podcasting, Emily? Um, I, think, I think we wanted to get into doing the podcast because it was a place that we could give people a voice and we could have these open and honest conversations without having to like filter through it all and edit it down and we could just do what we wanted really I guess it's a bit like a magazine where you you do have free reign but it's it's just a super quick accessible way that you can reach a lot of people and really make an impact and especially with our audience we sort of we do target graduates and those at the younger end of their the earlier end of their careers we also have with women unlimited on board they're the, for the ladies that are a bit later on down their careers so we have got a broader spectrum um but it's quite nice in a way because we get a load of different feedback and we do get that feedback really quickly so it's um it's just a nice way to get these conversations out there mm, yeah and there's some people that like to communicate in in only one one medium because I, I know that there'll be people listening to this that will never touch a print magazine um that's just not their thing but they might be very good at consuming content through audio and it's the same conversation can still be had and interacting with different people across different mediums um and do you want to tell people quickly where they could find your podcast and um why they should why they should give it a listen give it a bit of a plug I guess (laughs) um so if you search for unfiltered on Spotify and you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or iTunes whatever it is um it's available to listen to on there um and there's a great mix of conversations on there we we've tried to really talk about things that might be classed as taboo or that things that people are scared to talk about so if you do need um a bit of a nudge to help you have those difficult conversations or to give you the confidence to talk about things or to help you feel like you're not alone going through the design industry then this is the podcast for you (laughs) and again I don't necessarily think you need to be a designer to enjoy this because it's a podcast I really do enjoy listening to and I'm not a designer it's again just listening to really creative people having these really intellectual conversations around around topics and I, I i do find that really fascinating so again you don't necessarily need to be a designer to have um a reason to to give this a listen i hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode if you would like to know more about volume six then feel free to click the link in this episode's description volume six is printed on thick paper with a soft touch cover with foil blocked elements too This is more like a coffee table book than a typical glossy mag. 
The issue is available to order on our website now and ships worldwide. We also have a stockist page on our website where you'll be able to find all the stores that currently stock the magazine. I hope you enjoyed listening to this different format today and we'll be back to the usual format for episode 7. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. We'll be back very soon.